Good morning, Springbrook. Welcome in for worship this morning. And we're so glad that you are with us and you decided to come here this morning. Um, whether it's your first time or you've been here before, we're just happy you are here and we're grateful that you chose to be here. Um, we expect God to do great things in this place. Um, if you are worshiping online um, at our 9 o'clock service, I want to remind you that we have online hosts available and waiting to hear from you. If you have any questions or you want to be prayed for, they're there for you. Um, our desire is for you to feel um, welcome and heard this morning. I'd love to invite you guys now to stand for our call to worship. And our call to worship comes from Psalm 117. It says, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Your kingdom come, Father, let your will be done. I 
right here in my heart. Trusted my own strength, but it was sinking sand. So I put my ruins into your hand and watched you restore them like only you can. Cause if the Lord builds the house, nobody can tear it down. may be weathered through storm and through fire but what God holds together it stands firm every time cause my life is anchored on this solid truth that whatever God's building no it can't be
So we're going to go through a scripture reading today, and it's Psalm 125. Um, And so it says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hand to do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart, but those who turn to crooked ways the Lord will banish with the evildoers. The Lord alone is our refuge when we trust in him. This sacred space that he dwells within us of security can never be shaken or moved because he is our firmest foundation. He surrounds us always and he promises his people his presence. In times when we feel that he is absent, let us lean into that circumstance because he surely and truly is there. Let us believe and know that the Lord will ordain on his time. Let's continue in worship. When you 
Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being in this place right now. We praise you and we thank you. As we go into this message today, just speak to us. Let our ears be able to hear what you have for us this morning. Let our eyes see what you have for us this morning, Lord. Bless this time now. 
pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are with us today. If this is your first or second time with us in Springbrook, uh, we want to extend a special welcome to you. And if you're watching with us online this morning, uh, we want to welcome you as well. In fact, I want to give a quick shout out to Carmen, who I hope she made it over there. We have a great youth ministry, student ministries. And so if you have any questions, uh, be sure to talk to one of the online uh, chat hosts. We'll be more than happy to tell you more about that. And I was also talking to Perry, uh, Terry Pistorio, who has been watching online in Springbrook for, uh, since COVID. She had an accident. She's had some surgery on her spine. She hasn't been able to, be, able to come in. Um, next Sunday is going to be her first visit, and she's getting baptized. <laughs> so that was really exciting. So, <laughs> so we have a baptism service coming up next week. If you want to know more about that or you want to participate, please uh, let us know. It's so fun chatting with that online crowd. We've got a lot of people online this morning, so we're glad you're with us. We're glad you're here as well. Uh, you've got that connection card that's in your seat, and so if you want to just take that out for a moment, uh, you can put your first and last name on there, uh, the names of any adults that are with you. Just to let us know you were here. Uh, you can share with us as much information as you feel comfortable sharing. If we can pray for you in any way, if you have any questions about our ministry, there's a place for you to indicate that on the back. And then in the back of the uh, sanctuary, we've got some black boxes. Uh, you can just drop those in uh, on your way out this morning, but we're thank- thankful that you were uh, here with us uh, today. Hey, you should have got a, an email last week. We sent an email out to everybody whose email we had in our database with an invitation uh, to Right Now Media. So far, over 100 and almost 120 people have signed up for Right Now Media. So good job for those of you that uh, signed up. Um, uh, we will send that out again uh, probably this, uh, this afternoon. And so we're not going to keep sending it out and keep sending it out. So if you don't get the email or you're interested in checking it out, you might have to go to our website. And so we'll send that uh, invitation out one more time uh, this week. But we've got some great resources on there that follow along with our discipleship pathway here at Springbrook. And then there's some great small group resources on there. And it is just packed. It is loaded with uh, information, videos, materials for young kids, uh, for students, young adults, as well as our small groups. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to check that out, um, uh, you just go to our website. It's also on our app. So we've made it really easy for uh, you to jump in and get that. Our VBS is going to be kicking off uh, in June. Um, I was talking to uh, Michelle right now. Based on the number of leaders that she has for VBS, we're going to be able to host about 50 kids. And so um, we would like to be able to host more, but we need some leaders for that. And so if you are interested in serving back uh, at VBS during uh, June, uh, helping us to be able to connect with some more kids, that would be fantastic. Um, We are going to invite families that are new to Springbrook uh, to register their kids first. And then if you attend Springbrook, uh, we'll open that registration up for those that are bringing friends. And then we'll open it up church-wide. And so we probably will not be able to take that out to a community uh, at this point until we can figure out a little bit better how many leaders we have. I know Michelle has mentioned she had a couple of leaders that said they would help, but they have not signed up yet. (laughs) And so if you are interested in serving uh, in VBS, please uh, sign up for that this afternoon or stop by and talk to uh, Michelle if you have any questions uh, about that. 
So we are in a series called Sent. Uh, we celebrated Easter just two weeks ago, and we are looking uh, for the next several weeks at the appearance of Jesus with his disciples uh, but after his resurrection, but before he ascends into heaven. So each week we're going to look at one of the appearances of Jesus and uh, how he inter- get, interacted with his disciples and some lessons that we can uh, learn for that. And so you can back up, uh, listen to the last two weeks' messages online if you want to get caught up. But um, just want to let you know, as of this morning... There was uh, 8 billion, 29 million, you know the number, you know the thing. (laughs) There's been almost a 3 million person increase in our population just in the last two weeks. And yes, I'm going to show this every week that I'm teaching. So is he really going to do it every time? I am. I want to tell you why. Because of that almost 3 million people that have been born, uh, as the population has increased, that's not born, but population increase, 80% of them are being born into a family that don't understand who Jesus is. They don't believe in Jesus. Uh, they don't worship the same God that we find in Scripture. And they don't have the assurance that we have of having a relationship with Christ. And so I see that number, and my first thought is, is how can they call on him and who they have not believed? And how are they going to believe in him and who they have never heard and how they're going to hear without somebody proclaiming the good news to them. And so our ministry is focused on reaching our community for Christ, reaching our region for Christ, and reaching our world for Christ. So an important part of why we exist, we want to help people to understand who God is and how to have a relationship with him. And so this is, this is important, the things that we're talking about. As we move through Jesus' appearance with his disciples over the next 40 days, Each time he talks with the disciples, he commissions them to go and share what they now know to be true about him. Come and see, go and tell. Today we're going to look at come and see, go and tell. Jesus' ministry for the next 40 days prior to to the point that he would ascend is about commissioning his followers to accomplish the work that he has for them to do. And so we talked a little bit last week about how we can start to have conversations with those people around us as we think about our influence in our circles. And so I asked everyone to pray about maybe just during the next week um, to ask somebody one of these three questions. Um, I'm just curious. I, had, I didn't get a text from anybody. Um, so I'm just curious. I, wanna, I hope somebody did that. I was talking to uh, one of our uh, Mark back in the back. He said that he talked to five people about it. And um, he got some varied responses. I've been talking to people about that as well. Last, uh, yesterday, Friday, I was working on my sermon. I was in Panera, and I was talking to a young lady next to me, and um, we were talking about, um, I engaged in conversation. I said, hey, can I ask you a question? We're taking this survey at church. I know it's going to seem kind of weird, but we're taking a survey at church, so I just wanted to ask you, do you have a second? She said, yeah. I said, you know, just real quick, do you believe Jesus is God? She's like, "Um, yeah, maybe. I said, do you believe he came back to life? And she said, yeah, I can see that. Do you believe that he's in heaven? No, nah, I don't believe that. And so we got to dialoguing about it a little bit, and um, we talked, started talking about God. It was really, it was a seed. You know, it wasn't, it, the, the whole point of the conversation was not to walk her through the apologetics of the faith and lead her to a faith commitment. Try to, it was a seed plant. It was a relational opportunity for me to just have a conversation with her about what she believed about God. And so during the conversation, she said, I attend church. I've been going to church for, you know, many years. And um, I said, really? So we started talking about the church. I said, you go to church. And so I said, have you you ever heard this before? She said, yeah, I just don't know if I believe it. And so we had a good conversation and I had to go and she had to go, but she asked me what church I was part of. I gave her my church name and I'm hoping she shows up. 
And so if you're out there now, glad you came. <laughs> yeah, so this is an opportunity for us just to engage in conversation with people around us. If we have a relationship with Christ, it's, it's easy for us to be able to talk about what Jesus has done in our life. If we don't have a relationship with Christ and we have, we have questions and we're looking for answers, then we are so glad you're here. Because it would make me sick to think that somebody at Springbrook would be asked those three questions by somebody else and not be able to affirm those. I mean, it would break my heart to think that there's somebody that's been a part of this ministry that doesn't understand that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for our sins. It would break my heart to think that people don't understand that he came back to life. And it would break my heart to think that people don't understand that he is seated. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven right now. And that's where our hope and our assurance is. And when he returns, we're, we're going to be gathered up and we're going to spend eternity with him if we have a relationship with Christ. And so that's a biblical truth. Those are, those are biblical truths. That's not Richard's opinion. That's not somebody else's opinion. That's what we find in Scripture. And so I hope that if you have questions about that as we move through this series, that we'd be able to help you find the answers uh, to those questions. Easter was the celebration of the resurrection. And uh, we have an opportunity to look at what Jesus taught his disciples after that. But I wanted to mention something else to you. The texting thing is somewhat new for us at Springbrook. And so if you want to test it out, you can get your cell phone out right now. And you can just text HELP to that phone number. And you'll get a little response back that tells you the keywords. And so just to kind of get the discipline, because I'm really hoping that somebody will share a story <laughs> about what their experience was as they talk to people around them. I made the comment last week that 80% of the people in our community don't believe these three things. And so I asked you to share with me what has your experience been. And so that number still is holding true for me. And I'm just curious what your experience has been as you think about the conversations you're having with the people around you. So you can just text help to that number. You just kind of get the conversation going. But I really would love to be able to hear uh, what your experience has been as you're talking to the people around you. This is important things that we're talking about. It impacts where we're going to spend eternity and how we experience life and life to the full today. You know, when uh, we kicked off the series, we looked at the resurrection at Easter. And then last week, we looked at Jesus's first appearance to the Marys. And so we talked about his appearance to the Marys and how he commissioned them to, to come and see the empty tomb and then go and tell people what they heard. So today, we're going to look at a second appearance. We're still on Resurrection Sunday. And so we're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 24 in just a few moments. Um, but this is the second appearance of Jesus uh, to his disciples since he was resurrected. But it's still on that first day. So we're still on Sunday. We're still on Easter. And so for the first, for the first four appearances, those are all appearances that we're going to look at that are happening on Easter. And then we're going to look at the appearances after eight days over the next few weeks. Then we're going to look at that 40th day appearance and we're going to celebrate uh, at the end of this uh, series. But today we're still on Resurrection Sunday with regard to when he shows up to talk to the disciples um, today. Last week, we saw Jesus appeared to uh, the disciples. Today, we're in Luke chapter 24. If you brought a Bible, you can just read along with me. If you've got an app, you can read it uh, on your phone or your device. If you're online, there's a little button to click. Or you can just listen along as I read, uh, beginning in chapter 24, uh, verse 13. It opens like this. That very day... Sunday, that Easter Sunday, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing these things, Jesus drew near to them and went to them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. 
And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're having with each other as you walk? They stood still, they looked sad, and then one of them named Cleopas answered him and said, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these last days? And this is funny. Jesus said to them, no, tell me what happened. <laughs> they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and he told them how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned, put to death, and crucified. We hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened and we still don't see him. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find him, they did not find his body, they said they saw a vision of an angel who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. And he said to them, O foolish ones, of slow heart to believe all the prophets that have spoken, Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures leading up to things concerning himself. And so they drew near to the village which they were going. He acted as if they were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards the evening. The day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. And while he was at the table with them, he took bread and he blessed it. He broke it and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn with us while we talked to him on the road, while he opened to us up the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those that were gathered there saying, the Lord has indeed been risen. He appeared to Simon. He's appeared to us. And they told him what happened on the road and how it was known to them through the breaking of bread. And so in this passage this morning, we're going to look at, you know, six principles that are really important if our eyes are going to be opened. They were blind from seeing Jesus and their eyes were opened. And there's, there's six principles that we can learn from Jesus' interaction with these disciples if we want our eyes to be opened uh, as well. And it's interesting because as I think about what the disciples were feeling when Jesus approached them, you know, they were probably so consumed with what was going on in their own life that they, they weren't able to see. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But it's interesting to think about how anxiety causes us to be distracted from keeping our eyes on him, keeping our eyes on God and being reminded who we belong to. Anxiety is, can distract us. This past week, Carol and I were working through some, uh, some stuff that was causing us uh, some anxiety. And so we were kind of talking about this passage. And then we started talking about Philippians 4, which says this, we're to rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so we are to lift up by prayer and petition with groaning those things that are causing us angst and anxiety. And as we do that, as we move through that process, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. You know, we all have different circumstances in our lives today that I'm sure are causing us anxiety. I'm sure many of you came in this morning, you're watching online this morning, and and you're feeling anxious (laughs) I don't want you to miss what the disciples were going through at the point that they realized that the body was gone. 
that it's the third day and nothing magical has happened with regard to the Israelites being able to take over the land. And there's, there's anxiety in their discussion as they're talking through the, the issue. The two of them were going into a village named Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were walking, Jesus appeared to them. But while they're talking about the things that are happening, they're talking about, you know, a better translation for that might be they were, they were conversing. They were having in-depth discussion on a topic for an extended period of time. They were anxious about what happened or what didn't happen in their mind. They were having an in-depth discussion about what happened. And so when Jesus showed up, you know, they were in the midst of this discussion. You know, it, it's no wonder that they probably might not have recognized him. Remember last week we talked about the fact that Jesus did not come back to life. The tomb was not opened up and Jesus didn't come walking out. The tomb was closed. Jesus was resurrected. He had a new body. And the tomb was empty. And so when they rolled that stone away and they looked in, his body was already gone. And so there's something different about Jesus' body and his appearance. And so in conjunction with the fact that they're in the midst of this, you know, intense discussion over what happened, that, you know, it, 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 I'm sure they were distracted. You know, they were hoping that Israel would be redeemed. In these past three days, nothing's happening. And so in the midst of this conversation, by the time we get to the end of this passage, their eyes are opened when Jesus was sitting with them at the table, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And it says their eyes were opened. They saw Jesus for who he was. They saw him resurrected and alive. And here's the good part. When they saw him and they recognized him, the first thing they did was they rose at that same hour. They returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those that were gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed. He's appeared to Simon. We have seen him. And they told him everything that happened to them on the road. Come and see, go and tell. This entire series and everything that Jesus does with the disciples between his resurrection and his ascension is about mobilizing the church. And when he leaves them, they've got clear marching orders. And so he says again, come and see and go and tell. And that's exactly what they do. And what's interesting about this is it was the same hour that this happened that they returned to Jerusalem. It's nighttime. It's night. It was late in the hour when they got there. It's dark. And right after he, right after he disappears, they go, we got to go back and tell the others. It was seven miles back. It was a three-hour walk and they went back to go tell the 11. They just couldn't, they couldn't wait. I think I've been, let's get some sleep. Let's go the next morning. <laughs> they were excited. And they went back in the middle of the night. And then they woke everybody up. Hey, wake up. Guess what? Guess what? <laughs> Carolyn and I got um, engaged 38 years ago. It was a Friday night. And uh, we went to Brahms. And we had uh, some ice cream afterwards. And uh, we were really excited. Yeah, so you know, I'd, I'd proposed. And she said yes. I was like, oh, I was excited. I was kind of waiting, you know, was a, you know. But I was excited about it. I was like, oh, we got to go tell your folks. And so they lived in a neighboring town. So we get in the car. And it was probably 10 o'clock at night. We get in the car and we're leaving Norman. We got through Oklahoma City and we got on the turnpike to go to Arkansas. And I got about 20 minutes down the road. And I thought, I'm tired. Let's go back. We'll go tomorrow. <laughs> in my excitement, I was like, I was still tired like Peter and the disciples. They couldn't stay awake while Jesus was praying. These men were so excited about what they had discovered, that they walked back seven miles for three hours in the dark 
to wake everybody up and share the good news. Their eyes were opened and they were compelled to share what they had discovered. After walking for three hours from Jerusalem, they walked back in that same night. They were excited. And so what happened? You know, how did they go from being blind to who Jesus is to clearly seeing who Jesus is and motivated and excited to share? Now, from a scriptural perspective, we know that no one comes to Christ unless the Holy Spirit draws them. That's John 6, So no one comes into a relationship unless the Holy Spirit's drawing. So there's a work of God that's drawing people to themselves. You know, scripture talks about the fact that for those that God foreknew, he predestined to become his children. We know that Ephesians 8 and 9 says that we've been saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that we can complete the work that God has accomplished for us to do. So there's a part of God's plan in a sense that God's plan is working itself out in our lives. We, we don't know who is and who isn't. And so we share our faith because we don't know who God's going to call into a relationship with himself. And so there's, in one sense, the way that God is working and calling people to himself, but there's another sense in how he uses us to accomplish his plans for that. And so there's at least six events leading up to the disciples' eyes being opened that I want to look at this morning. And the first one is the importance of having spiritual conversations. In verse 13 of Luke 24, the two of them were going to a village seven miles away doing this intense conversations about what's happened when a stranger walks up. While they were talking, Jesus himself drew near. They didn't recognize him. So at this point, they've got somebody that's coming up to them to interfere or interrupt the conversation they're having. Now, they could have just as easily just dismissed him. They didn't have to pay attention to him. Think about some of the things that they could be talking about. Back in this day, the sports were archery, disc throw, tug of war, wrestling, boxing. They could have been talking about anything. Hey, how'd things go at work? Hey, did you see that new... Did you see that new discus that just came out? They talk about their favorite sports team. They could have been talking about anything, right? What happens when people get together? They talk about their jobs, about their sports, about the score. Tools of the trade were knives, chisels, wrenches, clamps. Did you see that new hammer that just came out? Think about it. We talk about our jobs. Think about all the things that people could talk about. They were talking about substantive things. They were talking, they were having spiritual conversations about faith. They were talking about things that had impacted their life. And I think one of the reasons why people today don't have a relationship with Christ or struggle in their relationship with Christ is they simply don't talk about it. You know, I grew up in a household where talking about, that's a private thing. Well, we don't talk about that. Well, that's a shame. <laughs> the house is on fire. Somebody better tell me. No, that's not private. You know, we're talking about how to have a relationship with a loving God We're talking about the reality of the hope that we have in Christ and the implications of that. It's an important topic, and they're having spiritual conversations. You know, at Springbrook, we want to help people that have intentional relationships with people that when they they get together, they're doing discovering discussion around biblical principles. And then we're talking about how to apply them to our lives. We're affirming one another in our faith, and and we're holding each other accountable as we think about how to live out our Christian walk. And so relationships and having important conversations about spiritual things is important. And so I want to encourage you, seriously, give this a try next week. (laughs) Ask anybody, not anybody from your small group, because they're going to answer yes. Don't ask in the lobby. Think about your school. Think about your workplace. Think about your neighborhood. And you can blame it on me. Say, my goofy pastor. 
told me I was supposed to ask a question. Would you please just help me get it out of the way so he stops asking me? Ask somebody one of these questions. Just enter into a dialogue with somebody. You're not having to explain the deep matters of the faith. It's a simple question that will lead to a discussion about, well, what do you believe? That's one of the things I love about Alpha. <laughs> Our Alpha small groups are great. We, have, we, have, uh, we get together, we have a meal, and uh, we, watch a, we watch a video, and then we have a discussion. We're just talking with one another about, you know, what do you believe? What do you believe? It's a judgment-free zone where we're free just to talk about what we've, we've discovered growing up. Everything that we've learned has to do with what happened when we grew up. I made all the decisions growing up as an adult based on what we did in my house, right or wrong. Well, we do them this way because this is the way we do them. And so that's just the way we learn. And so it's important for us to unpack that and then to step back and say, well, what does the Bible teach? When you look at the decisions that we make based on, <laughs> based on tradition and what you find in Scripture, it's like this light bulb comes on and your eyes are open and you're like, well, why am I doing it that way? And so just having simple, simple discussion around spiritual topics is a great way to plant seeds. So I want to encourage you to do that and then share your uh, stories with me. I really would be encouraging uh, to see how that uh, turns out for you. Spiritual conversations are important if our eyes are going to be open. And then number two, we have to, we have to make room. We have to make time for, for others. You know, in that passage in 17, when Jesus walked up and said, what's this conversation you're holding with each other? They could have said, oh, that's nothing. And then you know, not inviting him into the circle. You know, go away. We're having a, can't see we're having an important conversation here. But they invited him in. One of them was looking sad and said, you know, have you not heard what's going on? So they included him in their conversation. You know, in general, this is a general rule. We like to talk to people that we already know. I mean, I love seeing people I already know. That's just a general rule. We like to be around the people that we already know. That's okay. But we also need to make room and make time for other people. You know, they could have said nothing, and, but they opened up what they're struggling. As a result, their eyes are going to be opened. I took my grandkids uh, to the park uh, recently, uh, the playground, and there was some kids playing over there, and, and uh, Ezra is four, and he is, he is a friendly guy. He's, he's going, hi, my name's Ezra. Hi, my name's Ezra. He's looking, trying to find somebody to talk to, and it's funny, because when you watch him walk up to this group, the kids are like, oh, who's this kid? And so you, they didn't know to include him, and, so, and he's still trying to get in there. Bless his heart, and they're trying to get away from him, and he's following him around, and it's like, oh, man. And then you know what happens? Those little kids, they grow up, and they go to high school. <laughs> and you got these little cliques. I've raised four kids. I tell you, getting them through high school, oh, my gosh, those four girls. And I, my experience in high school was, man, I just didn't fit in. I wasn't doing that, so I didn't fit in there. I didn't do that, so I didn't fit in there. And my dad and I raced, you know, so I grew up racing. There wasn't anybody. I didn't have a click for racing. I was all by myself. <laughs> and then you know what happens? They turn into adults. That's just what happens. We get used to being around who we're around and letting people in and making time for that is something that is just sometimes almost impossible. No, I have a limited amount of time. I wished I had enough time on my calendar. I'm looking through here. I would love to have coffee with you, coffee with you, coffee with you, coffee with you. I would love it. And so the stewardship principles don't allow us to invest all of our time in everyone, right? which is why I'm really intentional about investing in our elders and our staff and our leaders so they can invest in people that they're serving on their ministries and in their small groups so that they can then invest in their families and their neighborhoods. And so if you think about it, discipleship is about investing in others who are going to invest in others. And so stewardship is a valid principle. But sometimes 
I stop, I wow, this is somebody I'm going to invest in. And so we, we have to make room for people and, and, and it, with those divine appointments. You know, we have to make room for divine appointments. I had a, I had a lady, I was, we've got this uh, online app we're using and, and uh, I try to stay away from it. I don't use Facebook anymore, but I'm on this thing and she's like, I didn't want to check it. I had to get, I had to get something done. But then the question was, is like, how do you have a relationship with Jesus? And I was like, oh, I got too much to do. How do you have a relationship with Jesus? Can you think of anything more important that you'd want your pastor to spend their time on? That's somebody that's like, hey, can you help me? And so we have to make room for divine appointments. When people come up and say, hey, can you let me in? We have to make room for divine appointments. I know it's hard. Our calendars are packed, but our eyes are opened when we make room for people around us. God works in amazing ways that you would have missed out on had you not made room for someone else. We have to make room for others. And then we also have to be teachable. We have to be teachable. Look what Jesus says at the beginning of verse 25. Oh, you foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets that have spoken. I think that sentence probably would have stopped me right there. What'd you call me? <laughs> Foolish one, slow heart. You know, Paul, Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about the fact that if we don't know our spiritual gifts, we're ignorant. And ignorance is a really strong word, right? If I don't know my spiritual gifts, that makes me ignorant. You know, Jesus is saying, hey, you guys, you foolish ones, is it, is it really hard for you to believe what the, has been spoken? And so teachable is the ability to be able to listen to learn. I know I probably on a scale of one to 10, when I go to, um, if I was going to watch a sermon online, I was looking for churches. I was just looking around. I don't know that Richard Ward would be where I would go. <laughs> I'm thinking Anley Stanley. I'm thinking, you know, I got a whole list of speakers I like. And so, but you know what's funny? It doesn't matter who the person is. When you open up God's Word and you're reading through a passage, there is something for everyone. Take anything I said today, regardless of style or however you want to look at it, God speaks to us through His Word. So we should be looking to listen to learn. And in most cases, we listen to compare. We usually are listening to compare. We're usually listening to, you know, contradict. We're usually listening, forming up our own opinion. I really had to work hard at listening. Because when I'm listening to somebody, you know what, my mind is probably thinking, well, hang on a second, I'm trying to stop them. And so I have to work really hard not to interrupt. I have to work really hard not to think about what I'm going to say as soon as they're done. Being teachable is listening to learn. I'm looking for something to learn here. And then it's discovery and being excited about discovery and looking for ways to apply what we're hearing. Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. He who hates for proof is stupid. And so it's okay for us to be challenged. It's okay to be teachable. To be teachable means it's okay for people to speak into your life and get that water out of your eye before you start going after theirs. Teachability is an important part if our eyes are going to be open to what God has for us. Our eyes need to be opened, and then we need to desire to learn. We have to have a desire to learn. In Luke 24, in verse 28, as they got near to the village where they were going, Jesus acted like he was going to go further, but what did they do? They urged him strongly saying, stay with us. We want to know more. You know, <laughs> it's the end of a long day. I just got through walking three hours. I'm thinking, hey, 
Where's the couch? Let me get something to drink and find a show on Netflix. <laughs> what do you do at the end of the day? Oh, I'm exhausted. It's work picking up a Bible. When you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed, it's work. And so, but this desire to learn is really important if our eyes are going to be opened up. They said, urged him strongly, please stay with us. And he did. You know, that desire to learn is an important part of how our eyes are open. And then we need, to, we need to seek wisdom. And so it's not just about knowledge and information that's coming our way, but we need to seek wisdom. And wisdom is it's that, it's that having that experience and that knowledge, a subject or a topic, and good judgment, and then being able to apply it. It's the ability to take information and apply it. It's taking the time to think thoughtfully and intentionally and connecting the dots to our experience. That's what wisdom is. Is It's the ability to take that knowledge and that experience and, and apply it. And that's what happens when you see them in verse 32. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he blessed them, he broke it, and he gave it to them, and something clicked. They've been around a communion table before. You know, we take communion. You know, we take communion typically at the first of every month. We take it during special occasions, Good Friday. Some of our small groups participate in communion. There's something about that communion meal that should trigger something in our mind that says, oh yeah, Jesus paid the penalty for my sins. Oh yeah, he's going to be coming back. And when he does, he's going to take me to be with him. That communion meal is an opportunity for us to connect the dots, to be reminded of what it is that Christ accomplished for us. It's to be reminded of the hope that we have. It's an opportunity for us to evaluate our lives and, and to think about where we have opportunities for continued growth. They get it. It clicks. James 1.5 says, If you lack wisdom, all you have to do is ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so if you're reading through something and the dots aren't being connected, it's like, I just don't get it. Pray about it. God, help me to understand this passage. I'm looking at these words. You know, stop. I'm going to look at these words. When you read something in Scripture, if it doesn't make sense, stop, look at it, reflect on it, pray about it, ask God to give you wisdom about it. You know, one of the great things, we've got a, a resource out at um, the Ministry Center Encounter. We've got resources that will help people to take a next step on their spiritual journey wherever they are. But there's a book out there called um, Divine Mentor. And it's a, it's a resource that will help you to think about how can I look at a scripture, make some observations, think about how does this apply to my life, and then pray about it. And so it's like, okay, I've read this, I've made some observations, I've tried to apply it to my life, and then I pray that God would help me to fully understand and, and put into practice what I've just read. And so the, the, that seeking wisdom is seeking to do something with what we know to be true. It's putting it into practice. And it's then that our eyes will be opened. It's then that we're prepared to see what we know to be true and prepared to share what we know to be true. We can't share what we haven't seen. And we need to, we need to pray that God would open our eyes so that we could see what we need to see. Have you ever heard of the, uh, the Dead Sea? Most people have probably heard of the, the Dead Sea. Do you know why it's called the Dead Sea? It is the lowest point in the world on land with the surface of a lake about 1,400 feet below sea level. Runs between Israel and Jordan border. Nothing flows out of it. <laughs> Nothing. Stuff flows in, but it doesn't flow out. A Christ follower that has 
had their eyes opened, that has the assurance of all things good news related, that doesn't share it, is like the Dead Sea. We're not designed, we're not created. Jesus didn't commission us to be a library. Our goal is not to fill our minds with more and more and more and more information. Jesus is commissioning us to take what we know to be true and share it with others. And if we don't share it, then stuff's coming in and nothing's going out. And we're like the Dead Sea. And so if our eyes are going to be opened, if we're really going to put into practice the things that we've learned, we've got to be willing to share it with others. We have to be able to share what we know to be true. Talking about our faith is not a private matter. It can be awkward. (laughs) Trust me, it's going to be awkward because you're going to be talking about things that 80% of the people around you don't believe, don't hold to be true, and they might have some questions. And that's why we've got some great resources for you. On that Right Now Media, one of the, that first channel is like, is there a God? How do you share your faith? We've got some great resources to kind of help you to navigate how to share what you know to be true. Our Bible reading plan that we're going through uh, right now, it's uh, springbrook.org slash Bible plan. We're going through a 40-day reading plan that kind of tracks along with Jesus' appearance And so we're looking at different stories and different devotions and different passages that are talking about the importance of our sharing what we know to be true coming off of Easter. Easter is not over in my mind. Just so you know, I am firmly planted on Easter Sunday. (laughs) That's the best day of the year. I love Easter. Christmas is coming, but we're going to stick around Easter for a while. There's some great things that happen between the resurrection. and It it is, because we are ready for the next thing. I was talking to schools over. I think, you know, we've got exams coming up. You know, school's coming over. I am ready for vacation. I don't know about you. (laughs) There's a lot of things. May is coming, and uh, then it's going to get to June, and everybody's going to scatter. But I tell you, those 40 days between the resurrection, and then we're going to celebrate on Ascension Sunday. We're going to talk about what happened when Jesus ascended, and we're going to look back at the things that we've learned over the 40 days. It is exciting. Those 40 days were life-transforming for the disciples. And those things that transform their lives are relevant for us today. And so I hope you can stick with us um, through this series. Sharing our faith is awkward, but it is not private. They rose that same hour, and they returned to Jerusalem. Seven miles, three hours, in the middle of the dark, and they found the 11 guys that were sleeping. They woke them up, and they said, guess what? He has risen, he has risen indeed. And they told them everything that transpired that great? You know, they were excited about what they had learned. You know, so as we think about what happened to those disciples at the beginning of our passage, their eyes were closed. They didn't know who Jesus was. And then at the end, it became crystal clear. And as you look at the, the events that happened, you know, there's a series of, we have to be available for spiritual conversations. We have to make room for other people. We have to be teachable. We have to have a desire to learn. We have to be seeking wisdom, and we have to be willing to share. If our eyes are going to be opened, there's some things that we can work on. And so I want to encourage you this morning. If, you, if your eyes have not been opened, if you have questions about who Jesus is, I am so glad that you're here today. We want to help people to understand how to have a relationship with Christ. And then Jesus said that he came so that we could have life and have it to the full. And so not only do we have the assurance of heaven, but we have the assurance of a full life. And that's where the peace that transcends all understanding comes into play. 
no matter what anxiety, no matter what's going on in your life today, no matter what's happening, we know that we serve a God that loves us. He has a plan for us. He is sovereign. He's in control. And the assurance of all that is based on the promises that are now locked and made secure and sealed when Jesus was resurrected from the grave. So these lessons are um, really important. So I just want to encourage you that if you have questions about any of these, you know, we would love to help you find answers. And so that number, <laughs> if you texted help, it's working on the back of your communication card. You know, if you have questions about a faith commitment, you have questions about baptism or being involved in a small group, or how to serve and be a part of what God's doing. If you have a story to share, we would love the opportunity to help you to experience more of what God has for you. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus tells the parable of wedding feast. He spoke in parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He sent the servants out to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Not that they couldn't come. They would not come. I have to wash my hair. I got to bathe the dog tonight. He sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. They paid no attention. And they went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest just seized his servants. They treated them shamefully and they killed them. The king was angry. He sent his troops and he destroyed the murderers and he burned their city down. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. Those invited were not worthy. Therefore, go to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. Those servants went out into the roads and they gathered up anybody they can find, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now, this is a parable that's talking about the Israelites. They're still waiting for Messiah today. They're rejecting who Jesus is. They rejected him. As a result of their rejecting him, we got called in off the road. As Gentiles, I don't have a Jewish heritage. I'm not one of God's Israelites' chosen people. I am now chosen because of who I am, Christ. And so everything shifted, and now we have all have an opportunity to have a relationship with God. You know, the king came in, he looked at the guests, and he saw a man who had no wedding garments. When you went into a wedding feast like this, they gave you a garment. And so there was a sense that, hey, I need to be prepared for the meal. This man chose not to wear the garment. How did you get in here without a wedding garment? He was speechless. He got caught. <laughs> Bind him hand and foot, cast him out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. And so that passage is really referring to the Israelites, the opportunity that they had to be as God's chosen people to believe and place their faith in the Messiah. But because of their rejection, we all got grafted in. So now we're all in the wedding party. But there's a warning for us in this as well. This can be old news. You said that last week. How many times are you going to keep saying that? Well, it's not old news. There's a lot of people that haven't heard it. There's a lot of people that haven't responded to it. And at one point, Christ is going to return, and it's going to be a wedding feast. And, and those that weren't prepared, that rejected the wedding garment, are going to be thrown out. They're going to be cast out. The things that we're talking about are important. I know talking about our faith is awkward. <laughs> I know it's difficult. I know it's challenging. When I first became a Christ follower, I had to go back to my family and explain over and over and over while I was doing it. It was like, be excited for me. You know, when I first became a Christ follower, I did not have one Christian man encouraging me in my faith. 
except for the 10 guys that I had met in the church that I was going to. And so as a result, you know, I stepped down in obedience. My, my mom, my dad, my entire extended family have all made faith commitments, but it took, it took 10 years for God to get my heart through my lovely bride, Carolyn, who uh, gets all the credit. <laughs> but then through our faithfulness and God's obedience and just steadfastness, God's worked in and through my life, and it's hard. In fact, Jesus was least effective in his own hometown when it, when it came to sharing faith. His brothers and sisters didn't even believe he was the Messiah. Nobody believed in him until he's, he showed up. And even after he ascended, there were still some people that were having questions about it. And so I know it's difficult, but it's not a private matter, and the implications are really important. The things that we're talking about are really important. And if you've got questions, we really would love to help you uh, figure out how to take your next step on your spiritual journey. Easter is over. We're still celebrating the implications of what that means for us. And I'm really looking forward to what God has for us as we continue this series together. I'm glad you were here today. Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. Um, God, thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. Uh, God, thank you for these lessons that we can learn from the disciples. I'd like to think that if I had been there, I would have believed. <laughs> you know, I know that there's different things. There's circumstances in our life. There's anxieties. There's jobs. There's traditions. There's so many things that work against us. God, I pray that you would just remove those things, that our eyes might be opened to what you would have for us. I pray for any of my friends here this morning that have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ, that they would cross that line of faith, that we could celebrate that with them. God, for those that are still thinking about, hey, should I get baptized or not? I am so excited about Terry and Terry's excitement about getting baptized next weekend. It's going to be a great celebration. And so we get to celebrate that with her. And so I just pray that you'd prompt people to take that step or just be a part of a biblical community uh, as we think about what it means to be in small groups and the work that you're doing here at Springbrook. Uh, God, you have blessed us in in amazing ways. Uh, We're so grateful, and it's for you to be the glory. All through Christ's name, we pray these things. Amen. Go ahead and stand in body, ear, and spirit for our last song.
so much for coming and joining us today, whether you're here in person, whether you are online, or whether you found it at some point in the future. I just thank you for spending your time with us. And I would say as we go, Pastor Rich gave us such an easy hook today for that conversation starter, which is, I got a survey I'm doing. Would you like to participate? So I pray that you would all have courage this week, that I would have courage to use that as we go. So have a blessed Sunday. Thank you.